morning. Glad to be back with you here again this morning as always. It is um, a joy for me, especially after a, a difficult week or in general, but especially after a difficult week to be here with you. This is a place of rest for me. Um, all the work happens before today. And for me, I get to come up here and just speak what I believe that the Lord has been doing through his word in my life throughout the week. And for me, it's good. It's, it's cathartic. It's a release. It's, but also it's good because it, I think it teaches and I think it helps us. And so I'm, I'm glad to be here. If you haven't been here with us over the last uh, few months, we've been going through uh, the book of Exodus. And you would think at some point in your Christian life, you would stop being surprised by God, but he continues to surprise with how he's, he's at least this is the same case for me, he's surprised me with how he's taught me and how he's used Exodus uh, in real life, everyday circumstances for me to teach me, to train me, to make me more into his image, to be more like him. And he has especially surprised me with uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but so far in the first three, I feel like the Lord has been allowing me to see these commands for the first time in, in, in some ways. And so I hope it's been that way for you. Um, as a means of exhortation and uplifting and learning, I want you to get your fingers up. I want to teach you I want to teach you an easy way to remember the Ten Commandments. And I know this is a little strange. You don't have to say it with me. You can say it with me in your head. But the first one, no other gods. One and only God. One finger, no other gods. The second one, no carved, no graven images. Like you're carving out those little snowflakes that, um, or the little people that, you know, make long people. The other one is watch your, watch your words. Watch your words. Do not use the name of the Lord. Do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. I don't know why I keep saying use. It's throwing me off. And the fourth, people who honor God get in their four-door car with their four wheels and they go to church gathering. The fourth command, they keep the Sabbath holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep the holy. Get in your four-door car with your four wheels and go to church gathering. Our verse today, our verse today is very important. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been giving you an exhortation. I've been very passionate about the way I'm preaching. Today, I hope to do the same, but today there's going to be a lot of teaching with sort of the climax of the sermon being at the end instead of in the middle like a good story will be. So I hope it works out for you. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days... You shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Pray with me this morning. Lord, you are good. 
and you are holy. And those are two characteristics about you that teach us so much in so few words. Lord, your goodness, Lord, it stretches to the sky. It reaches to the heavens, Lord. It, it abounds in our lives even when our lives are not filled with what we would consider good. Your holiness makes you unlike anything created because you were before all things and you are after all things. Your holiness proves to us that nothing is impossible with God. Your holiness gives us the courage and the strength, the audacity to live the Christian life. Lord, we love you and we praise you for those things. Lord, would you help us to be a people who take our Sabbath rest in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. Of all of these ten words that the Lord has given his children at Mount Sinai, this may be one of the most important. When I was a youth pastor, this has nothing to do with the sermon, so it's a side illustration. But when I was a youth pastor, my youth would always get mad at me because I would say, this is my favorite verse. This is the best verse. This is the verse that it all hinges on. And then the next week I would say, this is my favorite verse. This is the best verse. This, so if we can put the Ten Commands in order of importance, this is one of the most important Ten Commands. This command is important because it is a foundational command. It is a command that stems from creation. Why in our verse do we see that the Lord makes the Sabbath important? Because on the six days, God created creation, and then on the seventh day, He rested. This command stems from creation. It is mentioned the most of any of the ten words, the ten commandments of God. It's mentioned 11 times in the book of law and over 100 times in the Old Testament. It is the longest command of the ten. And it is the only command that the Lord gave Israel before coming to Mount Sinai. Before the ten commands were given, it is the only command that God gave to them before they actually came to Mount Sinai. We see in Exodus 16 that it was the first command given to Israel as a nation. Remember the Lord said, as He was giving them the instructions for collecting manna, He said, six days you will collect, and on the sixth day you will collect double. You will collect what you need for Saturday, I mean, you will collect what you need for Friday, and you will collect what you need for Saturday. This command is also important because it makes the Sabbath day the only other day other than the Day of Atonement that the Lord requires an abstinence from work, a rest from labor, where all, where all work is prohibited. It would seem that if so much emphasis is placed on this command, then we would have a great sense of urgency and responsibility to keep this command. But on our list of commands, if we were going to say, if we were going to say, this is the most important command, or this is one of the most important commands, if you were to say that today, it might not have made your top four. It is one that we often break, whether intentionally 
mostly intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But why is it that we have not seen this command in our life as important as God sees it? I think there are a few reasons, and this is not a part of my outline. It won't be on the board, but you can write it down or you can just think on these things. The reason it's not on the board is because this is just my conjecturing. These are just my thoughts, okay? This is not, this is not necessarily what I see from the Bible, so I don't want you to think that I'm trying to add authority to this by putting it up there. But one of the reasons I think that we have lost importance, we have, we have not taken seriously the fourth command, is because of the, commu- uh, the confusion as to just what the Sabbath is. What is the Sabbath? Is it Saturday? Do we celebrate the Sabbath like the Jewish people did? Is it Sunday? Do we celebrate the Sabbath like other people have? And another reason is because celebrating the Sabbath like the Bible commands is a constant struggle with our need to cherish grace and our desire to flee from legalism. I think those two reasons are why it's, this is one of the commands that we often let slip. We often let go by. Now, I want to answer that first objection or that first problem rather quickly and first, and then we will answer the second objection over the course of the sermon. There is a lot of confusion surrounding the Sabbath. And I would say to you that uh, when this command was written, it was written to a people who would have taken the seventh day of a seven-day-a-week calendar, and they would have treated that seventh day as the Sabbath. So naturally, that would have been a Saturday. As a matter of fact, there are many churches, some are sects of Christianity, that still celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday, having their worship services much like we do, but on what they believe is the true Sabbath. Jesus regularly kept an end-of-the-week Sabbath. So what changed? What changed to where people from really the first century, the early disciples on, have celebrated the Sabbath on Sunday? I want to give you some assurance today on your choice and our choice to celebrate the Sabbath on the first day of the week. What changed? The thing that changed was Jesus and his death, burial, and his resurrection. The, cha- the thing that changed this day was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus came, he died, and he rose again on the third day, which was the first day of the week. And since that time, since that time, the people of God have called that day the Lord's Day. We can see that in Scripture. John, he said, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit in Revelation 1.10. On the Lord's day, he was saying Sunday. Paul told the church at Corinth to collect back for the Lord's day. In Acts 2, we find that the disciples gather together on the first day of the week, the Lord's day. It was called, it is most notably called Pentecost. And that is when the Holy Spirit came down on the disciples. The Westminster Confession of Faith says, From the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, the Sabbath was the last day of the week. And from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which in, in Scripture is called the Lord's Day, and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. 
the Jewish Sabbath day of rest was a, listen, and this is why it all, this is sort of where it all culminates. This is why it was so important. The Jewish Sabbath day of rest was a look forward into the coming of Christ and the work that he, had, he was going to do. The coming Messiah. This is key to our Sunday celebration. The resurrection of Christ then is the promise fulfilled and the rest for our souls. So we celebrate, along with all post-ascension church, church history, the Sabbath on Sunday, or the Lord's Day, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. As early as the first century, we have recording, recordings from Ignatius of Sunday being the Lord's Day, Sunday being a day of holy communion, in the, uh, of corporate worship, of corporate gathering. The second century, Justin Martyr wrote the same, that the Sunday was the Lord's Day. It was a day of holy communion, of holy gathering of the church of God. Both of these and countless others seeing that as a day where Christians would meet for corporate worship and spend the day resting their bodies, minds, and spirits. So while some may have confusion as to why we worship on Sunday instead of Saturday, you should rest assured that Sunday is the Lord's day. And for the Christian, it is a Sabbath day of rest for the souls. There's another reason why there's so much confusion about keeping the Sabbath. And it can be really said about most of the Ten Commandments. Friends, if you are walking in faith, if you are trusting in Jesus, there will still be this ongoing, lifelong struggle between, between I don't want to use the word skirting, but I can't think of another word right now, but between, between receiving the grace of Jesus Christ and sort of skirting a legalistic ideology or mentality. And one of the great problems we have as Christians with keeping the command of God while being commands of God while being under grace is that we don't want to be legalistic, but we also don't want to give ourselves free license to not obey the Lord. Now, as a means of understanding how we can do this and sticking with the theme of the last few weeks, I want to tell you a few ways that I think that we break the fourth command and a few ways I think we can keep the fourth command. I'm not saying these to be formalistic or legalistic. I'm not saying these ways we break the fourth command so you can know that this is absolutely and definitively the only way. It's not an exhaustive list. But I'm also not saying this so you can, so you can know that if you ever break this or if you ever do one of these things that you have broken the fourth commandment. I think with Jesus... Because of Jesus and because of his work, there is no gray area still, but there is a little bit of room for grace in there. A little bit, really a lot of room for grace in there. So how, how then, the first point today, the main, first main point is how do we break the fourth commandment? Let's look exactly at what the command says so that we can know how we break it and then how we can keep it. Remember the Sabbath day, that's first, Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Excuse me. Is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. There are three parts to this command that I want us to look at 
in order to see how we break it. Now, when I mention Sabbath, I am specifically referring to the Lord's Day as I just explained and as we know it now. So what are the three aspects of this command? Remember the Sabbath. That's one. Remember the Sabbath. The word remember is not just some conscious thought or homage to what the Sabbath means. Remember implies that in your remembering, you will take action. If I told you, or if you told me that you remembered Pastor Appreciation Month, but you didn't write those sweet messages, or you didn't give me a gift of some sorts, or you didn't do something on another level, but you just said, Bryce, I remember it's Pastor Appreciation Month. (laughs) Do you think I would really believe that you remembered it was Pastor Appreciation Month? If you tell your wife or your husband that you remembered your anniversary, and then you just kind of smile, and that's all? Did you actually remember your anniversary? Men, women, this doesn't work. I remember our anniversary. That doesn't work for the anniversary. It doesn't work. Because when you say you remember your anniversary, what you're saying is you remember the action necessary to show it. If you said that you remembered that sometime in September was Andy's half birthday, but you didn't give her a cupcake... Did you actually remember her half birthday? (laughs) To all of this, you would say no. Because the word remember implies more than a conscious thought, but taking action behind it. We are to remember the Sabbath day with concerted and conscious action. Keep it holy. That's another aspect of this command. Keep it holy. Um, We're going to talk about these a little bit more. I spent a little bit of time on that remember, but I just wanted to be clear on that. Keep it holy. And then there's another one that's very important. Another aspect of this command that you probably wouldn't have thought of before today. Six days you shall work, and on the seventh, rest. That first part of that command, that first part of that sentence is very important. Six days you shall work. And on the seventh day, rest. So how do we work to keep these three aspects of this command? I have three points to explain to you how we break these Sabbath rules. And then I have three points to explain to you how we keep these Sabbath rules. And it's not six normal points, so don't worry. It'll be a normal sermon. Before I do this, though, before I do this, I must give you this understanding. I must give you this little caveat. Because of the blood of Christ, we should not pin ourselves down to an absolute perspective on this. In the sense that I don't believe that one act of working on the Sabbath is necessarily breaking the command. I don't believe that one act of missing corporate worship on the Sabbath for vacation or a plethora of other reasons is necessarily breaking this command. We must look at these Sabbath ideas with the perspective of what Jesus did through the gospel what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection, and also through the eyes of the lens of progressive sanctification, a process of surrendering more and more of our everyday life and more of more of our Sabbaths to Jesus. That being said, you will hear me give my perspective on this, and it may seem harsh. It may seem like it's lacking grace. It may even seem legalistic at some point. But I hope that you know me enough and love me enough to understand those are not my intentions. And understand that my intentions are pure, they're thought out, and I believe biblically 
based. How do we break the fourth command? We break the fourth command by not working hard throughout the week. We break the fourth command by not being hard workers throughout the week. Before today, did you think that that was going to be one of the ways that we broke the fourth command? You may have, but likely not. But as sure as you are sitting here, the fourth command forbids slothfulness and on some level procrastination. The command says six days you will work and what? On the seventh rest. Follow me on this. The goal of our six days is to get all that we can get done within that time frame and then leave everything else up to the next six days following the Lord's day. The goal of our six-day work week is to leave it all on the door at Saturday night and pick it back up early on Monday morning. To work with a passion and a veracity in the six work days that God gives us so that we can be ready to worship and rest on the seventh. This point must be made because it is likely true of most of us. We will delay, add to, or oversaturate ourselves to where Monday will not happen like we want it to if we don't work on Sundays. Again, this is a matter of priorities. It is not often that we have so much going on in our life that we actually have to work on Sundays. Now, I'm not referring people to, uh, to people who are scheduled to work on Sundays. I will get to you in a minute. I'm talking about the college students who cram papers or exam prep all day on Sunday afternoon. I'm talking about the person who Netflixes around on Saturday and for many hours during the week and picks up his computer or files on Sunday afternoon or binges all day on football on Saturday and negates the progress of his duties uh, throughout the week or in his home. When does verse 8 say we should do our work? Six days. Six days. How much of our work must be done in those six days? It's in there again. All of our work. We break the fourth command when we allow any work that takes our focus away from worship and rest to slip in on our Sundays. Just in case you didn't hear me at the beginning of this point, this is not a hard and fast rule in the sense that you can never study for an exam or never do paperwork on Sundays. I'm not saying that you can never open your computer for work or do house chores. But friends, the Lord's day is meant for rest and worship. And we break it by wasting time throughout the week, by procrastination, and by an oversaturation of our schedules so that we always feel the necessity to work on Sundays. We break the fourth command by not working hard throughout the week or working, or, or, or working in, a, in a procrastinating way or scheduling in a way that takes our focus off of the Lord. Listen, this was important. It's not going to spend a ton of time on this, but next, we break the fourth command by taking personal Sabbath that excludes corporate worship. You got to hear this because you've done it. You think, man, I am just really tired this Sunday morning. Our family is going to take a Sabbath rest. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. If you skip corporate worship to do that, you're not. 
This one is not as common probably as the first and the last, but I have come across Christians, and I'm sure that they think they're being holy by saying this, but they say, we're sorry we missed church gathering. We were taking a Sabbath for ourselves. Who does the Bible say that the Sabbath belongs to in our verses today? The Bible says the Sabbath belongs to the Lord. The Lord. It is a Sabbath belonging to to the Lord, which leads me to believe that our rest, although it is a part of this command, because later we see that the Sabbath is for the people also, it is inconsequential compared to paying homage to the Lord on His day. The Lord says in Leviticus 19.3, you must observe my Sabbath. How did they observe the Sabbath? Leviticus 23.3, the Sabbath is called the sacred assembly. They observed the Sabbath by gathering together in the sacred assembly. The Puritans called the Sabbath the marketplace for the soul. The other six days you went to the market for your body, for work, for finance, for fiscal responsibility, and this day you go to the market for your soul. From the first century to now, the church has seen the Sabbath as the sacred day of assembly on the Lord's day. There is no true rest, friends, unless your soul rests in the Word, in prayer, in singing, in preaching of the Scriptures, in teaching of the Scriptures, in fellowship, and in other things that revolve around the corporate assembly of God's people. Benjamin Warfield said that God took the Sabbath into the grave with him and brought the Lord's day out of the grave with him on resurrection morn. The Bible says that the Sabbath was meant for the good of man, but the first and foremost priority of the Sabbath is the worship and remembrance of God. So we show up. We participate. We come humbly. We come broken. We come optimistic. And most importantly, we come ready to give the Lord His day. We break the fourth command, friends, when we believe that the Sabbath day of rest is primarily about us. The Sabbath is the Lord's. We break the fourth command when we take personal Sabbath over the Lord's Sabbath. Thirdly, we break the fourth command by regularly prioritizing anything over Sabbath worship and rest. We break the fourth command by regularly prioritizing anything over Sabbath worship and rest. The most common way that we break the fourth command is in our priorities. And this is where we must really be careful. Now, I don't want to get to the point of being legalistic. But if we don't draw out some objective ideas, then we will have no measuring stick by which to go. I want to point to you a few things that I think show how we prioritize other things over the Sabbath. Now, these are conclusions that I and countless others have drawn, and it took me a long time to even come to some of them. I think we break the fourth command by prioritizing work on the Lord's day. Not just by doing work at home, but by going into work by being in a job that requires you to work on Sundays. I know this is not going to be popular with many. I think it is breaking the fourth command to have a job that requires you to work regularly on Sundays. In the past, I've taken, I have, I have, and it is in lower paying jobs, granted, 
But in the past, I was turned down for promotions because I was not willing to work on Sundays. I've often applied for jobs and been the front runner or had the inside track in some way and not gotten the job because of an unwillingness to work on Sundays. But it has always been important to me. And in the last five or ten years, I understand better as to why to not have a job that required me to miss the Lord's Day. I don't believe it breaks the Lord's command to ever work on Sunday, but to work a job that requires regular work on Sundays. It is the Lord's day, and He will honor your commitment to Him and His day. Now, I know that there are several of you in here who have jobs that require you to work on Sundays. It's not my intention to make you feel guilty for that, but to turn all of our perspective to the most important aspects of knowing and worshiping God. I believe it's breaking the Lord's command to be involved in sports or other activities that meet regularly on Sunday and take your attention away from the Lord and from rest. I'm not saying it's never okay to play sports on Sunday or to be involved in other activities on Sunday. As a matter of fact, I think you will see later that our leisure and sports activities on Sunday can be honoring to God. But I do think that competitive sports or other things like that that take our attention from the Lord and rest are breaking the Lord's fourth command. I think it breaks the Lord's fourth command to spend all day on a thing that removes you from godly focus or from fellowship with other believers. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch the NFL on Sunday. I love watching the NFL on Sunday. But if you can't do that or other activities with others, or if you're watching like a zombie, we need to shift priorities. This includes binging on Netflix, playing video games, going down YouTube rabbit holes, uh, consistently excluding yourself from others, and doing anything that removes your focus from the Lord and from Christian fellowship. This also includes making things on Saturday a priority so that you cannot, become, you cannot come ready to worship on Sunday morning. Making Saturday night a priority where it impedes into your Sunday. Staying up to all hours of the night for whatever reason. Drinking or partying heavily enough where it affects you the next morning from participating in activities that turn your heart, that eventually turn your heart to the Lord. Puritan Thomas Watson said this, When Saturday evening approaches, sound a retreat. Call your minds off from the world and summon your thoughts together to think of the great work of the approaching day. Evening preparation will be like the tuning of an instrument. It will fit the heart better for the duties of the ensuing Sabbath. Now this doesn't mean that you should never miss a Sunday morning. This doesn't mean that you can't take some, you can't be late some Sunday mornings or you can't stay late on, uh, stay out late on Saturday nights at times. It doesn't mean you can't go on vacations that require you or don't require you, but because of them you miss Sunday mornings. But it does mean that anything that you prioritize over the Lord's day and Sabbath rest is breaking the command of God, the fourth command of God. Again, these are not my expectations. These are not my guidelines. These are the Lord's. We break the fourth command by not working hard during the six days of the week, by taking Sunday as a personal Sabbath but not a spiritual Sabbath. 
and by prioritizing anything over Sabbath worship and rest. Now, we have seen a few ways that we break the fourth command. I want to look at a few ways that we can keep the fourth command. Again, I have three. How do we keep the fourth command? We've discussed how every command has a negative aspect and a positive aspect. The first three were definitely on the negative side of this command. But now I want to give you this positive, this positive aspect of the fourth command. We keep the fourth command by observing a day dedicated to worship. We keep the fourth command by observing a day dedicated to worship. Friends, during the Old Testament times, really since the Sabbath was instituted, and all the way up until the mid-1900s probably, there has been specifically a day set aside for worship amongst God's people. In the Old Testament Acts, breaking the Sabbath could lead to death. In the Torah, we see a man was stoned to death for collecting wood, uh, wood for a fire on the Sabbath. From the resurrection forward, this day was celebrated on Sunday, the Lord's Day, as a means of celebrating His resurrection, probably all the way up into the modern times. The 1700s, the Puritans in New England had a list of 39 things forbidden to do on the Sabbath. And even up into the mid-20th century, people kept the Lord's Day this way. Stores were shut down. There were no restaurants open. If you were lucky, there might be one in your town. You were lucky to find any services at all other than those that were used for emergency sake. But the world has since left the... Pre Listen, and it's not their responsibility to do so. The world has left the practice of accommodating Christians on the Sabbath and therefore made it more difficult for Christians to follow and to practice Sabbath rest. But nevertheless, Christ, nevertheless, Christians should still keep the practice of working on hard six days a week and resting one out of every seven. How do we do this? Now, we've already spoken of some of these. We participate in corporate worship on Sunday morning. We prepare ourselves on Saturday night. We show up early on Sunday we worship in ways prescribed by the Bible and by our local church. We fellowship with other believers. We leave the local body and we read some on our own. We read a Christ-centered book or some other biblical uplifting book. Biblical uplifting book. Biblical uplifting book. We organize or participate in other Christ-centered fellowships whether it be gospel circles or missional community groups. We pray. We meditate. We evangelize. For those of you who cannot come regularly on Sunday morning because of work or for whatever reason, all hope is not lost for you. I think post-resurrection, Sunday is the preferred day of worship. But I also believe that you can work hard six days in a week. Hear me. Stay with me. And have a Sabbath spiritual rest on another day of the week. I think the preferred day is Sunday. But I do think that you can work hard six days a week and have a Sabbath spiritual rest on other days of the week. This takes much more concerted effort on your part. In addition to being a part of consistent corporate worship when you can, you can listen to sermons, you can pray, you can read spiritual things, you can be involved in gospel circles or a missional community group, or excuse me, and a missional community group. Anything that would keep that day holy as under the Lord and provide spiritual rest in a Christ centered way. Another way we dedicate the Lord's Day, and you might say, well, Bryce, this is working. 
in that voice, I'm assuming. All the, all the men, too. One way that we keep this law, this command of God, is by serving on the Sabbath. By serving on the Sabbath. Serving in our church. Serving others. Friends, Jesus destroyed the minds of the Pharisees because He refused to keep the extraneous, extra, superfluous laws that they established. He refused to keep them. Jesus never broke the Sabbath. He broke the laws of the Pharisaic Sabbath. But by healing the sick on the Sabbath, by evangelizing the lost on the Sabbath, Jesus kept the Sabbath of God. Because the Sabbath is also a day, friends, where we show mercy, where we show grace. And we do this by serving. We do this by giving to less fortunate. Serving in our church, giving to less fortunate. Working, working on the Sabbath, if it means working as unto the Lord. If it means digging a ditch on the Sabbath, if it means whatever, bailing hay, I don't know, whatever you do. Some of you live pretty deep out there in the country, so maybe that's something you do. One way that we keep the Sabbath is the same way that Jesus kept the Sabbath, and it's by showing mercy, by considering others first. Friends, as a matter of fact, if we keep the first two commands, we will the first two great commands, we will always keep the Sabbath. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, your mind and your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep those first two commands, you will always keep the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath then becomes a day about the Lord. It becomes a day about your neighbor. And it becomes a day of personal rest for your soul and for your body. We keep the Sabbath by, by observing a day, a day out of seven for rest. We keep for spiritual rest, for worship. We keep the fourth command by observing a day dedicated to rest. That's the second point under there. On the same level and almost as important as recharging our spiritual battery is recharging our physical ones. The fourth command of God is the command to rest. It's a guard against being a workaholic. It lets the business person rest. It gives the housewife a break from her duties, the student their studies. It gives all of us a chance to stop, to plug in, and recharge. All for the purpose of focusing on the Lord, what He has done in the past week, and then focusing and putting our trust in what He is doing in the next week. Practically, do you know what the fourth command is saying to you? Nap. Is this the greatest command of the Lord or what? Younger children will hate this. If Emlyn or Ellie or Bennett were here today, they would all say, this is a bad command that I can't... They would be able to keep honoring their father and their mother before they can keep a nap command. The fourth command is commanding to nap. The fourth command is saying, lay on the couch. It's saying, go have a coffee with someone and talk about Jesus. Inspire them. Give them Christian uplifting fellowship. Be uplifted by their fellowship. It's saying have friends over and just enjoy the day. 
It's saying take a walk with your family. Go to the park. Play disc golf. Play regular golf if you can do it without throwing your clubs in the water, if it's actually relaxing. With the focus that those things do not impede or take your mind off of the true purpose of the Sabbath. See, the things that God, these leisure activities, these fun activities, this fellowship, the things that God gives us, they are not bad things in and of themselves. As a matter of fact, they can be given and used to the glory of the Lord if we don't allow them to take our focus off the true reason and true purpose of the Sabbath. Now, this command isn't saying you can't do some chores on Sunday. If we literally, if we don't do something on Sunday chore-wise, our house will look like we've never done anything on any other day chore-wise. It's just the way it is. If we don't do something on Sunday chore-wise, our house will, will look like it's never been done. It's not saying you can't go grocery shopping. Dude, if you don't have MC on Sunday night, Sunday is one of the best times to go grocery shopping. But it is saying those things are better done, if possible, in the other six days of the week. It is saying don't fill your day with meetings, even church meetings. I'm not talking about the fellowship of believer. I'm talking about meetings, you know, meetings. Even church meetings on a regular basis. Listen, I don't typically counsel or do any other of those type pastoral duties on Sunday on a regular basis. This, for me is good. When I get done with this, I'm going to be like, this was good. This was good. Other things, the pastoral duties, they're often tedious and they prevent me from keeping the fourth command. So as often as I can, I stay away from those. Ultimately, what this command is saying is treat this day like no other day. Treat it as special. It is the Lord's day. There's one other aspect in keeping the Lord's fourth command. We keep the fourth command of God by trusting in the Sabbath rest only found in Jesus Christ. We keep the fourth command of God by trusting in the Sabbath rest only found in Jesus Christ. Blake read this earlier, but I want to read it again to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, the best part of the Lord's day, the best part of the Sabbath for the Christian is that Jesus has provided a way for complete rest and satisfaction and focus and love and endearment and all of those other adjectives that draw our attention to Him. He has provided a way for that to happen. And we can find rest in His work. He has kept every command so we can have peace of mind. He saved us so that we can rest in His arms. He is the one that works out our sanctification so that we can trust in His Holy Spirit. 
And His Holy Spirit is the one that keeps us so that we can trust that if He began that work in us, that He will complete it till the day of Christ and He will keep us until we die or till He returns. And then when we die or He returns, we'll be with Him forever. Friends, you need to hear this. You will struggle your whole life as a Christian if you do not find a way to surrender your heart, your life, and your trust to Jesus Christ as it pertains to obeying and loving and following Jesus Christ. The great mystery of God that has been revealed to one of the great mysteries of God, not the mystery Paul talks about in Ephesians, but one of the great mysteries of God that has been revealed to us is this, that God kept the commands for us so that when we keep the commands of God, we're actually just relying on the work that Jesus has already done in keeping those commands. If that doesn't spin your head a little bit, it's okay. If it does, it's okay. If it doesn't, you're, you're a little bit further along than you should be probably. We are allowed to keep the commands of God because Jesus kept those commands perfectly and wholly. We are allowed to keep the commands of God because He has given us a helper, an intercessor in the Holy Spirit of God who steps in when we are too weak. And then we find out with the power of the Holy Spirit when we are weak, He is strong. He has given us a Holy Spirit who 1 John says, 1 John 2 says, I will teach you everything that you need because of the anointing that, was, that is within you. Not only through the Holy Spirit do we find that when we are weak, He is strong, but we find that when we are dumb, He is smart. When we don't have the knowledge, when we don't have the understanding, we won't have the foresight to see what God is doing, He does. And in His time and in His plan and in His good pleasure, He reveals that to us as a means of grace to us. Friends, this sermon was not intended for you to say, all right, the Puritans had 39. How many can I make? How many rules for keeping the Sabbath can I go home and write today? This sermon, the first part of this sermon was written for the intent of you turning your mind and your focus and your hearts to the Lord. And through Jesus, it doesn't, unlike many of the Jewish people in the past, through Jesus, we don't turn our minds and our hearts and our focus on the Lord on just one day. We find out that Sabbath rest is for us, for us in the morning, in the noon, at night, seven days a week. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Until we die or till He returns. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The only way that you find this rest is by trusting in Jesus. It is by repenting of your sins, turning away from where you were going. Saying, Lord, I don't like this way. I don't necessarily know how to get that way, but I know I'm not going that way anymore. Trusting in Jesus to take you along this path and then resting in the fact that the work has been done through the Lord. And then as the Lord works in you, 
He allows you to obey him. That's not a, that's not a, um, the, the fact that the work has been done through the Lord is not a, a free freedom to just be like, well, the work has been done through the Lord. No, it's a freedom to do the work that the Lord has established for you. Friends, we should do all that we can to turn our hearts and our minds to the importance of the Lord's day, to the importance of keeping a day for the Lord. And then when we do that, we can turn our hearts and minds to keeping every day as unto the Lord. And whatever we do, Paul said, whether we drink, whether we eat, whatever we do, we do as unto the Lord. Pray with me today. God, you are so good and you are so holy. Lord, you have purposed to keep our hearts close to you, to keep our minds on you, to keep our lives lived for you. Would you allow us to do so? Would you allow us to trust in you? Would you allow us to turn our minds to a weekly Sabbath, but also a lifelong Sabbath? Would you allow us to trust in Jesus? God, we praise you. We thank you so much for forgiving us of our sins, for washing us clean, and for making us more like the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. We praise you. We give you this day. We love you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.